Listen well to this story I tell, for some is fact and some is fiction, but all of it is true. I'm Bradley Rolfe, and I'm reading my blog. This is a seven-parter with an intro and a tangent. Uh, So here we go. Originally posted on December 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th, December 21st, 22nd, December 23rd, 2017. Theater in St. Louis, A Year in Review, 2017. Introduction. Over the last two years, I have seen a lot of live theater. Between calendar years 2016 to 2017, I have attended over 100 different productions. That may sound absurd or even impressive, however, I don't see that number as a particular achievement. As I have become more and more involved in the local theater scene, that number merely reflects a reality of how I've spent my time. The raw numbers? In 2016, I saw 42 different shows and was involved in four. In 2017, I saw 50 to 60, depending on how you count festivals and evenings of one acts, and was involved in six. If you want to increase your intake of local productions, here's how I did it. One, I spend an irresponsible percentage of my income patronizing the arts. No regrets. Two, I see a lot of shows for free. The most well-known deal in town is probably the Muni's Free Seats. This year, I saw every show at the Muni by taking advantage of this. Another way I see shows is by volunteering my time. Many companies in town offer free admission for helping out as an usher, working concessions, or even helping with a set build, typically community theater on that last one. Typically, I know someone involved with a production as a connection to usher, But if you know where to look or who to ask, you can just ask for the opportunity. Some groups even throw out an open call on Facebook for volunteers. Ask around. Meet people. Save money. The other way I have seen shows has been volunteering as an Arts for Life judge. Arts for Life is a nonprofit dedicated to recognizing talent among the St. Louis area's many community theaters. They typically put out a call for volunteers in November. Sorry, this post is a bit late for next year. And after a brief training session, judges are assigned shows to see and rate. The resulting numbers are used to nominate individuals and productions for an award ceremony every year. Some things about me. I'm an analytical and structural thinker, and I enjoy being a resource to others. Therefore, I want to take my experience primarily this past year, but including some of 2016, to share my insights on the local world of theater. What will follow is a series of my personal reflections, primarily composed of my opinions, which are based out of my own experience, so, you know, grain of salt and all that. Also, I want to be clear at the outset that it is my sincere wish that everyone involved in theater creates great art that tells great stories and connects with the audience. I recognize that each individual and group out there creating have their own goals, values, skills, and limitations, and any criticism or analysis I assert is rooted in my own perspective and experience. I don't anticipate being overly negative, 
but one of my greatest fears is being misunderstood, and I'm just as insecure as everybody else. Performers, right? And want to be seen as likable by most people, so whatever. Mad love to everybody. Seriously. Also, if you stick with it, I'll throw in a top 10 later. Who doesn't love a ranked list? STL Theater Review 2017, Part 1. Part 1. Best Achievement by Everyone. The overarching theme this year has been every company putting out their best work to date. I have been so encouraged by much of the output I've experienced. Performers continue to improve, directors get better at utilizing the spaces they work within, more resources are being made available to artists, new challenges are encountered and overcome, I feel like everything has been getting better. For every company that I have seen multiple years of productions, I've been most impressed by and connected best with the shows put out this past year. Some highlights. The Sweet Smell of Success, New Line Theater. New Line moved into the Marcel a few years ago, and this season they have utilized the space to its best potential. New Line has a long history of quality shows. Their production changed my opinion of Rent. But a new space is naturally going to introduce its own set of growing pains. The black box lends itself to freedom and flexibility, but with flexible staging comes more variables to manage. I remember the L-shaped house seating of Heathers feeling sonically unbalanced in ensemble numbers, and the platform in the center of the wide stage setup of American Idiot causing unavoidable sightline obstructions from nearly every vantage point. Sweet Smell employed a similar hot dog style split of the room, however the distinct orchestra cubby stage left and the raised metaphysical saloon to house the Greek chorus stage right created a beautiful wide V to draw the eye central while creating varied playing spaces. Plus, the show was just stinking cool, with a true jazz score played by a true jazz band. Jesus Christ Superstar, The Muni, The Muni in Forest Park. I love Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm one of those. My first ever encounter with the show was at the Muni in 2005, and my initial hot take was, the bad guys get all the grooviest music. I particularly appreciate how the show is flexible to production design. The history of the show is so full of reimaginations, there isn't really a traditional staging to compare to. The Muni fully delivered with their concept. The world-building of the set and costumes created a setting wholly distinct from any time and place known to our own history, but with enough familiar visual triggers to orient the audience to this version of Rome. This production also proved that fresh choreography can breathe new life into a show. I was already a fan of JCS, but this was the production I didn't even know I wanted, and couldn't have known how to ask for. One of theater's functions is to hold up a mirror to ourselves and to society, and sometimes the Muni makes safe decisions that dilute this power, but between Superstar, A Chorus Line, and Newsies, they hit the mark. The Drowsy Chaperone, Overdue Theater Company. I saw three productions of The Drowsy Chaperone this year and wanted to highlight overdues because it led me to some realizations about the art form. On every level, from community to professional, we are lucky to have access to great source material. 
It would be unfair to compare Webster Conservatory's production of Drowsy to Overdue's because they have vastly different resources, but the message and connections still came through both performances. Whether you're dependent on volunteers and performing in a gym, or you have a departmental budget and world-class facilities, you can still tell a story that matters. There is a full conversation to be had about how we value art, but I confidently take the position that within the full spectrum of amateur to professional, there is value in what is created. There is a capacity to speak to an audience no matter what the setting. Production quality and skillful performances can enhance the art, but they do not equate art. Next to normal, take two productions. Every company has to overcome technical challenges, and the greatest specter looming over the community is sound design. For community theater groups, this struggle is magnified by resource limitations, often dealing with old and or borrowed equipment. Not unique to take two, but I have always noticed struggles with sound. When I saw Next to Normal, I noticed a marked improvement. It wasn't until after the show that I realized I hadn't been distracted by any technical misses. Also, Next to Normal was the most unified production in concept and tone I have seen by Take Two. Ragtime. Stray Dog Theater. I don't have a lot specific to say on this one, but I loved the show so much and wanted to call it out for praise. It's a very big show, and the cast, crew, orchestra, production team, everybody showed up and made it happen. It was a great achievement all around, and once again, to fit the theme of this year, some of the best work I've seen them do. A fitting performance of a story worth telling. Progress. Growth. That's what I've seen this year. There are, of course, other companies and performances worth noting, but these each demonstrated the positive trend I have witnessed recently. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 2 Part 2. New Discoveries This year I discovered some new theater companies. Some new to me, others recently started. In addition to having only recently encountered them for the first time, the following four groups have all earned a place on my I don't care what they're doing, I will see it because they're doing it list each have quickly earned my trust as a theater-goer. Theater Nuevo. Theater Nuevo's devised piece, Hell, was the first show I attended this year. Generally, a devised piece starts with a concept, then the director and entire creative ensemble develop a show together. I had never seen a devised piece before and didn't know exactly what to expect. I was ready for it to be avant-garde, weird, and possibly bad, it was fantastic. A mix of sketches and performance art tone poems, the ensemble delved into different visions of hell, literal and metaphorical, all tied together with a catchy original song. If there is a recording of the song, someone please send it to me. And if they remount this show, I highly recommend you prioritize seeing it. 
Theater Nuevo also produced an evening of short one-acts entitled Acronyms. I was only able to catch the last three out of six plays that evening, all of which, if I remember correctly, were penned by local playwrights. And once again, I was not disappointed with the performances I saw. The leadership of this company clearly understands how to manage their resources and make good art. Sate, Slightly Askew Theater Ensemble. Slightly Askew has been around for a while, but this year was the first I experienced any of their work. This year, Sate presented the Afro-Ben Emerging Artist Showcase, First Impressions, and Of Mice and Men. While I wasn't able to see Of Mice and Men, I did attend other two shows and thoroughly enjoyed the work. The Afro-Ben Showcase was an evening of one acts written and directed by female artists. First Impressions was an adaptation of Pride and Prejudice, simultaneously presenting the story while intercutting with people's personal relationship with the novel and the story. Asides and monologues were sourced from individuals responding to how it has informed their lives and how their interpretation of the story has changed over time. The play was long, but so is the source material, and I don't care, because the concept and performances were wonderful. Silhouettes Production Company I recently discovered Ordinary Days by Adam Guan. It's a really good collection of songs. Shortly thereafter, I found out a local group I had never heard of was producing it. I attended. I enjoyed. Not each of these points is going to have a deep insight, but keep silhouettes on your radar. Rebels and Misfits Oh my goodness, Rebels and Misfits. Rebels and Misfits Productions' immersive theater project is the best thing happening in St. Louis theater right now. In 2016, they debuted with an immersive adaptation of Hamlet called Hamlet, See What I See, and this past year they adapted Chekhov's Uncle Vanya. After Vanya, I made a rambling post, which can be seen here, a link to a Facebook post, which I will read now. Posted August 26, 2017. Forward. The following contains underdeveloped thoughts and tangents. Skip to the third paragraph, then quit reading. Some write off immersive theater as a gimmick. While I first would challenge some people's definition of what a gimmick is and if that's inherently a bad thing, but secondly, I would note that some people have either experienced a poor execution of immersive theater or they are merely cranks who can't enjoy anything. However, I will not go as far to say that these some people just haven't seen an immersive piece at all because some people may be a sloppy straw man argument, but some people are not idiotic enough to spout sweeping judgment statement with no standing whatsoever. All that to say, no matter what some people think, immersive theater is a unique and nuanced medium within the performing arts and has the potential to connect to audiences differently from traditional theater. Well, now that I've manipulated you into being predisposed to agree with my argument, let me tell you about this beautiful piece I experienced recently called Uncle Vanya, Valiantly Accepting Next Year's Agony, presented by Rebel and Misfits Productions. Okay, long review short, this is the second immersive project by Rebels and Misfits, and their production team just plain understands how to execute immersive theater. Get tickets, go see it, and if you're too late for that, keep them on your radar. Rebels and Misfits is officially on my I will prioritize seeing your productions regardless of what it is list. I want to highlight the primary strength of immersive theater has com I want to highlight the primary strength immersive theater has compared to traditional theater is that everything is heightened and everything has an imme added immediacy to it. 
One heightened element is the concept of audience as character. There's an added irony when a character emphasizes the fact that they are alone with another character in a room, gesturing to the empty space full of people. Particularly with a story taking place in the past, we get the treat of seeing these ghosts come to life, and by their existence forcing us to recognize the fact that we too will only be memories of this room we inhabited, hours, days, and decades from now. But maybe I'm just in an existential mood because it's Chekhov, and 19th century Russian literature is all about struggling and dying, or maybe it's because I'm always in an existential mood. And of course, people living and working and drinking and falling in love and shouting and leaving and dying are not themes that can be experienced in the theater, are not themes that cannot be experienced in the theater, but the immersive medium once again heightens these experiences, and Rebels and Misfits Productions handles this medium with balance and nuance, and just take my money so you can continue to do art. Another highlight to the power of live theater as well was well demonstrated in this piece, and that is the physical nature of the medium. Once again, this is not exclusive to immersive works, but I noticed it, and this production leaned on the strength of this element. As a writer and musician, I so often get caught up in the importance of words and song in theater. I love the words on the page. I love the notes in the air. And when I consider my favorite works or analyze a new piece, I so often lean on these elements to the point that I fail to consider the necessity of the visual impact. I forget that these artworks share three and four dimensions, breathing the same air that we do, and that is the key to theater's power. I tend to be prejudiced against art with a message. I don't believe that it ought to be pure entertainment, but I don't want to be preached at unless it's something I already agree with. A contributing factor may also be that a piece conceived to promote a specific ideal may just lack overall artistic merit because more attention was paid to the message than the quality of the content. But here's a tip for theater artists, writers especially. You can have a character preach all you want as long as they come from a genuine place, and they have flaws. I can accept that. But right now, I don't have the patience to wrestle with my prose, so I'm going to stop writing and may return to flesh out these ideas later. Back into the blog post. Praising their work and defending the institution of immersive theater. For the uninitiated, immersive theater typically takes place in a non-traditional performing space and removes or blurs the physical boundaries between the audience and the players. The action is closer and emotions are magnified. It takes a certain level of skill and planning to make an immersive production effective, and Rebels and Misfits have proven they know how to execute. Follow them, see their work, tell people about it, and give them all your money. STL Theater Review 2017, Part 3. Part 3. Festivals. I know that based on my reach and online social circles, this will be primarily read by people who consider themselves active in the local theater community. But I also want to address the casual theatergoer, the person who attends maybe two to four shows a year and is not directly involved in any productions. I have noticed that when a friend who falls into this category talks to me about theater, my input in the conversation can get jargony pretty quickly. 
I'm dropping names of companies and performance spaces and playwrights and composers as if everybody just walks around knowing what displacement the engine in their car has and at what rotation it hits peak torque, because that's just basic knowledge. As a theater artist, I believe the medium is extremely valuable and that everyone should enjoy it as much as I do. And I like to talk about how there's more than the Fox, the Muni, and the Rep in town, but the number of opportunities to see live theater can be overwhelming. So for those looking for a simple way to expand their horizons in this arena, put theater festivals on your calendar. And I suggest starting with the Grand Center Theater Crawl. This year was the first time I experienced the theater crawl, and I highly recommend setting aside time to go next year. They already have a Facebook event for it here, a link. It's billed as a tasting menu of St. Louis theater, and in classic St. Louis fashion, it's free to attend. Over a Friday evening and a Saturday afternoon, a bunch of different groups produce brief 10-15 to minute performances in rolling half-hour blocks at a variety of spaces in Grand Center. Due to my schedule, I was only able to attend part of one of the days this year, but I saw performances by Tennessee Williams Festival, Tesseract Theater, First Run Theater, Insight Theater, and The Midnight Company. Going to the theater can feel like a risk, but The Crawl lets you get to know a handful of different companies in one weekend. It's like theater speed dating. The other festival I attended this year was the St. Louis Fringe Festival. Once again, my personal schedule kept me from experiencing more of the festival. Over the two weekends, I only made it out to one evening. I therefore didn't take advantage of some of their multiple ticket packages, and instead bought individual tickets to the two performances I knew I wanted to see. Hot for T-Rex, presented by Tesseract Theater, and Stop Being Weird, a performance by the duo Same Difference. I wish I had seen more, and this coming year I'm going to be more proactive and we'll share recommendations on how to plan for attending the Fringe. I'm going to go ahead and cut it off there and do the rest of these posts in a separate episode. It is, it is really weird reading a retrospective from a specific year three years after the fact i have uh i've I've long thought that like year in review you know every newspaper is like oh there's a year in review what happened this year and i've always felt like oh that's kind of worthless it's just you know there's nothing to write and so you're gonna do some top 10 lists and you're gonna whatever and nobody really cares but the value in this is as as like a time capsule as a you know looking back at well, what was my year then what was uh going on and remembering the, the things because you know in your past there are usually like moments at least for me that stand out as that moment's identity not necessarily tied to when it happened and being able to see one which things were near each other in proximity and two what things I felt were important to highlight at that time. So that's been really cool. And back to uh, the previous episode, you know, this is, this is becoming Bradley reading my blog, also telling people to write a journal prompt. 
time. Here you go. Here's your homework assignment. Uh, write a journal entry as a retrospective of the past 12 months, but not the calendar year. The moment that you are listening to this podcast, mark it down and create a retrospective of the past 12 months. What things, what events in your life, you know, were important? What things, what transitions happened or, or what did you learn? Anything like that. And then, you know, email it to yourself five years in the future and and see what's up with that. Uh, boy, it is... Uh, this, this project has energized me to keep more records. Uh, I, I definitely philosophically i i like the i philosophically i'm attracted to the idea of oh you know the present is the only thing in the you know past memories are uh you know not real and the future is an illusion and you know let's you know why why worry about legacy because on a long enough timeline we're all forgotten uh but I think there is, because past you is responsible for a lot of where present you is, uh, it's, it is helpful, it is eye-opening to see the past you, and not only saying, oh, what was I thinking back then, but remembering what you were thinking and how you thought back then. Uh, is a really, really, at least interesting exercise. And I recommend you do it. Uh, going back on these posts, um, yeah, New Discoveries, boy, those four companies that I discovered that year, only two of them uh, still, at least as far as I know, exist. The Two of them are on, uh, you know, maybe maybe defunct or maybe indefinite hiatus. Uh, but, but Silhouette's company is no longer a thing right now. Oh, they did they did a big production of Alter Boys uh, the other year, which was really, really rad. Uh, and then Rebel and Misfits. <sighs> they, they did go on to do a, uh, a Scottish play, immersive Scottish play, and there's this big indoor, it's like an old church that's been gutted out and there's an indoor skate park in it in north st louis and they rented that whole space out to produce this uh and there were a couple kind of multiple tracks like there was a moment in the in the play where uh your group you know might have been stayed or, or gone out it was boy they continued to just produce wild cool experiences and and what a loss but hey you know, maybe they will, maybe they'll come back. Who knows? We'll see. Uh, also, uh, man, the, the show, Sweet Smell, Ragtime, uh, Ragtime, of course, too, uh, went on to win a whole bunch of Circle Awards, including Best Musical that year, which was kind of a an exciting uh, coup for Stray Dog in the fact that, you know, that one of these non-equity small professional theaters uh, won a whole bunch of awards for a show, uh, you know, wh- where they are held up. It's, it's the critics awards. So they are, they're up against, you know, all the biggest, uh, houses in town too. So that was, 
that was really rad. And of course, Drowsy Chaperone. I mean, what a, uh, I still hold, that is just a bulletproof script. It's fantastic. So, uh, see you next time for parts, what, four through seven, I guess. Reading My Blog is a production of me, Bradley Rawl. If you want to send me a journal prompt of your own, I'm on Instagram and Twitter under my real name. If you want to skip ahead, links to my blog and other projects I'm working on can be found at anotherwhitesuburbanite.com. Suburbanite.com.